Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are who you say you are. You are not who we made you into, the image of man, but you are God. And Father, we thank you for that. Father, I just ask that your words would come upon me, that the words that you've given me today would be the words you want me to hear, uh, to say. You, they were the words I needed to hear, that's for sure. And Father, I just ask that this would be a blessing to all who hear it. Amen. Amen. So I've been leading this Bible study since February. And I started with Ephesians because it's my favorite book. And uh, I think we're going to wrap up, maybe. Maybe we won't. I don't know. It keeps going on. I had to cancel this week because my air conditioner broke. And it's going to be 87 on Tuesday. And the Bible study is good, but it isn't that good. <laughs> we, couldn't, we couldn't make it. So um, Ephesians is a very interesting book. It's, uh, it's a letter. It was written by Paul to the church in Ephesus while he was a prisoner in Rome. And during this time, he also wrote Colossians and Philemon. But back to why I like the book. When I first became a Christian, I think I was drawn to reading the letters because they were shorter and I could understand them. And Ephesians is particularly nice because it, the first three chapters, you learn all about what it takes to be a Christian, what God did for us, why it was so important, why the cross. In it, it speaks about the Holy Spirit, it speaks about the Father, it speaks about the work of the Son. We really see the triune Godhead. In, in Ephesians 1 through 3. But if you thought you were going to get off with just learning what it takes to be a Christian and all the good things about being a Christian, you, you get into chapter 4. And chapter 4 tells us how to live as Christians. And it's, it's a, it gets a little harder at that point. Uh, Ephesians... Um, Anybody who knows me knows that that's my tag on my email and has been for at least 10 years, Ephesians 3, 16 to 19. It says, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And in those verses, we see the Trinity. I didn't know that it was Trinity Sunday, but I'm going to take advantage. That's right. So there are three main themes in Ephesians. 
Christ has reconciled all creation to himself. Christ has united people from all nations to himself and to one another in his church. And Christians must live as new people. Ephesians offers general instructions in the truths of God's redemptive work, the unity of the church among diverse peoples, and proper conduct in the church and the home and the world. I like this book. It lays everything out. It's nice and easy. If it was the only thing I had, I, I could do it. I could find everything I need in that one letter. But today, I couldn't do the whole letter. I couldn't do all six chapters. It's taken us from February. It'll probably take us about six months to get through the six chapters, which is kind of funny because my one, uh, one of my friends from when I was taking swimming cl uh, classes uh, came the first time. And she wasn't very interested and didn't like it and told me so and said, I won't be coming back. And she said, and besides, what are you going to do? It's only six chapters long. What kind of a study is that? So she hasn't come back, but. <laughs> We're gonna look at Ephesians chapter one, verses one through 14. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with all pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who are the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Amen. That's one sentence in Greek. It's one sentence from praise be to the God after the introduction of who said it. 
it's one sentence. So there's no way to stop that. You just gotta keep it going. Do you remember when you fell in love? Do you remember when you fell in love with Christ? Were you a little older? Were you young? When you fell in love, you couldn't wait to tell people about Christ. You told anyone who'd listen. You read the word and knew it was to you. You knew that love that he was talking about was poured out on you. And when you came across something that you didn't understand, I know for me, I couldn't wait to get to Bible study that week and find out, dig it out with somebody that knew better than myself. You were willing to take chances when you were in love. You were willing to give up what your family of origin thought about you. Some of us did. You were willing to change the path your life was on for this newfound love. I'm going to look at verses 3 and 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. You know, I don't get much chance to get up here and talk. And when I do, I always pick these outlandish (laughs) topics, you know, like election, you know. Well, go right for the heart, you know. You're not going to be up here again next week, so (laughs) it doesn't matter what you say. Uh, One of the times I spoke was on authority, you know. I mean, it it seems like I can can pick them. Um, We were chosen. He chose us in him before the creation of the world. That is exactly what I wrote. That is humbling. It wasn't because we're talented or because we're somebody. You might have thought that of Paul, right, writing it. He was somebody and he was chosen. But it wasn't because we've made points with God. It's because he is good and he is merciful. It should make us humble. He didn't just choose us, though. He predestined us. He chose us from the beginning of the world to bring him glory. This is the mystery. Mystery is used a lot in Ephesians. And um, I've come to have a very... I think a lot more of a solid understanding of what a mystery is after having read through as much as we've done. But election is a bitter pill, and mankind does not like it. They will reject it. They will say it's unfair.
doesn't mean that some are chosen to go to heaven while others are chosen to go to hell. I've looked through a lot of commentaries and what um, I think John Stott said I'd have to say as the truth of it all. It doesn't say. God doesn't owe us an explanation. He doesn't. He's a good God. He's a good Father. He is the Creator. And if we were chosen and predestined, then that's what we were. We want to put things into our minds, into the way we think about things and how we think about things. But that isn't God. It's not that all things are going to work out at the end and we can say, that's why it's this way and not that way. We don't know. When you think about the Old Testament, you see a lot of this thinking. You see a lot about being chosen. You see a lot about being predestined. Abraham was chosen. Was he righteous? Maybe. Was he good? Yeah, he was the leader of his compound and he seemed to lead it well. But was he holy and blameless? No. The Israelites were chosen. Now, when we think about that, we don't have, when we think about the, uh, this principle in the Old Testament, we don't have as hard a time with it as we do with us being chosen. It's a little easier to swallow that God had a plan for creation, and then after that, he chose Abraham to, to lead the people and Moses to lead the Israelites and... But here in Ephesians, the object of God's choice is us, believers, who now belong to the people of God and praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It was God's intention to create for himself a people perfectly conformed to the likeness of his Son. It's a mystery. This God is a mystery. We tend to make him in our image, but he isn't. He's a mystery. Paul doesn't try to explain these verses. He just states them. And so, I am too. But what does it lead him to do? To praise. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. As I was preparing this message, I was notified that two friends had died. They were both Christian women, and they both ran the race 
and were victorious. They were both only in their 60s. The first we know is Yvonne. I'm trying to think when we first met Yvonne. I can go back to about 1999. Yeah, almost other church. Yeah. And when you think about Yvonne, what do you think of? I think of joy. She was a woman of joy. And she was a woman of courage. I'm sure she had told each of you the story that she had been engaged and the man she was to marry was killed in a car crash. And she was devastated by this. She was devastated, but she wasn't undone. Recent, more recently, she had lost her job. And what did she do? She found an industry that was beginning to come up out of the medical industry, and she said, I think I can do this. I'd like to learn this. Someone has taught, told me about a school, and she went to the school, and she studied. And we would talk on Sundays how difficult it was. It was a very technical uh, area uh, of billing. And, um, but she wanted it. She liked it. She knew she could do it. But she wasn't sure she could get through the schooling. And right before she was to take the test, she had a stroke. And as devastating as that stroke was to her body, I think the hardest part for her was that she lost her speech. It was so difficult for her to speak. Gradually, she began to be able to say words, but they weren't always the words she wanted. And it was so frustrating. But when we think about the life of Yvonne, we still would say joy. The other woman was a girl I went to uh, school with. I've known her since the summer between eighth grade and high school. She, uh, a gang of us still get together. In fact, we we're supposed to have our Memorial Day picnic today. We'll see. I think some people may still go because of this week's event. Kathy, um, we met her through her stepsister, who uh, they family had just gotten married. The husband and wife had just gotten married. And um, her stepsister we had known, and she brought Kathy into our lives at that time. And Kathy was, uh, Kathy was, she was a wonderfully, I have to use the word again, joyous person, always happy. Her life was miserable. Apparently, she was very close to her dad, who had died. Her mom now married uh, this other man. They each had four kids. There's now eight kids in this house. Uh, the marriage did not make it. Um, it was a disaster. But through that time, 
Kathy uh, had played in the band at school. And through that, she met someone, uh, in fact, Doug Nearpass's sister. And um, she brought her to church and led her to the Lord, and Kathy became a Christian. And she led her mother and at least one or, one or two of her other brothers to the Lord also. And Kathy went on, married a Christian guy, and uh, became a school teacher. And while I was there at the wake, looking at the video of her life, uh, I was listening to what I imagined were school teachers talking about her. And how, whenever she, they saw her, she was always so happy. She always had a smile on her face. We know that Kathy's life wasn't easy. She had a daughter that I'm sure wasn't even at the wake. She was estranged from her daughter. So terribly so that uh, I know friends tried to intervene at the end and say, your mom's dying, please. And it could not be fixed in time. But still, the people that Kathy knew thought of her with joy. And I'm sure that's what everyone will say today when we meet. Joy in the midst of pain. Remember, Paul wrote this. He wrote this while a prisoner. He writes of great joy. It's an outburst of praise to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The apostle begins by blessing God for showering us with every spiritual blessing. In the New Testament, blessed always refers to God who is praised as creator, as the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and as the one who is over all. Gratitude and thanksgiving well up in the apostle as he recalls God's marvelous salvation plan in Jesus Christ. At the same time, the whole paragraph is intended to instruct the reader and cause them, in turn, to respond by magnifying and glorifying God, who is worthy of their adoration. Everything that Christians have received through God's saving act in Christ is summarized in the expression, every spiritual blessing. Here, the adjective spiritual means pertaining to or belonging to the spirit, capital S. The nature of these gracious gifts is made known in the next verses and include elect to holiness, adoption as God's sons and daughters, redemption and forgiveness, a knowledge of God's gracious plan to sum up all things in Christ, the gift of the spirit, and the hope of glory. The recipients of these gracious gifts of God are us. In almost every verse, the paragraph, the apostle speaks of us as the people of God who have received his mighty salvation. It is in Christ that God has chosen us in eternity. The Father has bestowed his grace upon us in the beloved. 
so that we now have redemption and the forgiveness of sins in him. In Christ, the first Jewish believers were chosen to become God's people, while Gentile believers were also included in him and were sealed as belonging to him by the Holy Spirit. Significantly, it is in Christ that God has set forth his plan to unify all things in him to a community of God. God chose his people in Christ with the ultimate goal that they would be holy and blameless before him when they appear in his presence. But this is not to suggest that there is consequently no concern for holiness and blamelessness in the here and now. If we are among the ones that think we need not have concern for holiness and blamelessness, then read the other parts of Ephesians. It's very clear how the believer is to live. God chose us in Christ that we should be holy and blameless before him. When a person is adopted into a family, the parents intend and purpose that this child will take on the same values and character qualities as the parents and the other siblings. We have personal experience of adoption in our family. Our daughter and son-in-law adopted um, a baby girl when she, well, I, I guess they received her when she was 13 months old. Um, but the process was started a year or so before that. Human parents who wish to adopt a child must go through a process of evaluation. This process, because our daughter and son-in-law lived in Virginia, was twofold because New Jersey, the baby was coming from New Jersey, so uh, uh, what is it called? DIFUS, I think it was still DIFUS at that time, was um, from New Jersey, and also social services from Virginia were involved. So she was up for, they were up for two inspections regularly for the first couple of years. And they want to make sure that this child is in a safe environment and that the parents are fit to do this, to provide physical needs, but not only the physical, the emotional needs. And they want to know that this child will receive good qualities of character. And we are adopted into that kind of a family. God is in the business of changing us. We are not just here to live our lives the way we would, the next thing that comes along. God is here to conform us into his image. God's purpose in bringing us into his family is to conform us to himself and his son. You shall be holy for I am holy. Are you willing to cooperate with that plan? Are you willing to become humble and obedient child? Another uh, purpose of our adoption was his will. God adopted us to be his sons simply because it was his will. 
it was according to his purpose. God, as our sovereign creator and adopted father, has the right to do with us whatever he wishes. The potter can utilize the pot for any purpose he desires. Are you willing for God to use you? I suggest that his purpose for your life will challenge you to stretch and grow into areas you never dreamed of. And finally, his glory. To the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. His mercy, love, and grace are demonstrated in our adoption in his family. That others might give him praise when they see what he has done for us and in us. And that we might give him praise ourselves. Have you taken the time to praise him for his grace in adopting you as his son or daughter and making you a member of his family? That is part of his purpose in adopting you that you might give him praise, the fruit of your lips and the fruit of your life. Finally, it's the privilege. When God adopts us into his family, it's a legal action. I can remember that day in court. I can remember when we went there in, in Newark and when the judge said, this is a legal action and these are her parents. And she was given a birth certificate with Luke and Rebecca Bridley as her parents. We were all just so thrilled. God has freely chosen to adopt us into his family out of his mercy and grace. In love, he predestined us to adopt us as sons. If God has chosen his people in Christ, from before the foundations of the world, then he predestined them for adoption into his family as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ. This is why we are to praise God. Believers praise God the Father because his purpose in choosing them was to bring them into a personal relationship with himself. Seven and eight, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us. Paul's next, pra next praises God for his redemption and the forgiveness of our trespasses in the beloved. Paul's concept of liberation from imprisonment and bondage is not simply the object of our hope. It's an exciting reality, a present possession, as elsewhere in Pauline writings, and is bound up strictly with the person of Jesus. It is in the beloved that we have deliverance, for God made him to be our redemption. Paul's concept of redemption has its beginning in the Old Testament, where it describes the release of slaves, and more particularly, God's mighty deliverance from the bondage of Egypt. The redemption which we have in Ephesians 1.7 has been procured through his blood. God's rescue for the forgiveness of sins involved a rescue from God's just ju judgment on our trespasses. As a result, we now have free access to our Heavenly Father, knowing that we have been redeemed and forgiven. When's the next time we hear about Ephesus? after this letter.
Revelation. Revelation 2, to the church, to the, to the angel of the church in Ephesus, right? These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in the right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardship for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Let us hear, heed the warnings that we've heard today and not take advantage of those spiritual blessings that we have inherited. Let us live a life that reflects the family we've been adopted into and let no one ever say we lost our first love. 